I, I got a confession before we start. I don't just say this a lot. Man, I, I think I like this service, 1115, a little bit more because I'm a little bit, bless you, I'm a little bit more um, loose and my ADD meds have worn off just a tad. And so you really do get a more unfiltered version. Um, and one of these days when we start a six, God help us. Anyway, <laughs> one of the things that I love talking about is the, the similarities we have together because a lot of people like to focus on the differences, but I like to focus on what we have in common. And one of the things that everybody in this room has in common is all of us at some point have, have cried about something. Uh, we, we, we just cry because we're human beings. It doesn't mean you're weak or you're strong. We just cry. Like, how many have ever cried in a movie? You've cried in a movie. Yeah, that's pretty much everybody, unless you're heartless. Um, and then you, but the first movie I ever cried at was um, The Fox and the Hound. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some of you know, because that was just so jacked up at the end where Todd and Copper couldn't be friends anymore. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Forrest Gump was a movie that a lot of people cried in. Uh, some people cry for. Um, like physical pain, like if you hurt your, like I stubbed my toe this week and um, said some words, but this is a second chance and, and, and then might have shed a tear. Some of us, um, some people, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say if it's men or women, I'm just going to say in general that one of the species cry for no reason at all sometimes. And, and you just need that. I'm not cracking on that. I'm just saying it happens, right? And, um, and I was talking about the men. Women cry too, but we, we all cry for different reasons. But one of the things that happens when we cry, when we're going through some sort of pain, is we ask the question, and, it, and I'm not cracking on this because I've done the same thing. Hey, God, where are you? Like, I'm crying. I'm upset. I'm emotionally, physically bothered. Jesus, where are you in the middle of my pain? And that's what we're going to talk about today because I think this series that we're in, Dead Man Walking through John chapter 11, really does speak to that. Now, let me do a really quick catch up or review, depending on who you are, if you're watching online or you missed a week or two, really quick catch up. We started the story several weeks ago by Jesus finding out that he has a friend named Lazarus, and we found out that Lazarus was what? What was his condition? He was, he was sick. And they told Jesus that like three times. And Jesus stands up and says, this sickness will not end in death. And he sits back down, doesn't move. Like for two days, he's just kind of hanging out. Then he tells his disciples, we're going to go back. We're going to actually go to where Lazarus is. But the area was Judea. And the last time they were there, they got like people threw rocks at them. And, and so the disciples weren't going to go. And we talked about how sometimes that next step is not an easy step, but the next step is always the right step. And we kind of blew up the myth that the closer you get to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him because you don't get any closer than the disciples. But they're all freaking out. And so Jesus finally says, we're going. And they get there last week. And remember, Martha runs out to Jesus and says, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Mary shows up and says the same thing. And we talked about making the tag last week. And we talked about how some of us are in battles that we have no business being in. And instead of us fighting the battle, we just need to turn it over to Jesus and let him fight for us. Well, today, today we're going to pick it up where we left off last week. Um, with a passage of scripture that's really interesting. And I've never talked about this a lot because I've never really understood it until I was preparing for this message. Here we go. This is where we left off last week. When Jesus saw her weeping, her being Mary specifically, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing. Now, wailing is more than like a, a tear down your eye, like people are losing their minds, freaking out, crying right here. Wailing with her, 
a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Now, another thing all of us have in common is all of us in this room have pet peeves, things that get on our last freaking nerve, right? How many have a pet peeve? How many have a pet peeve? Somebody over here, just share with me what your pet peeve is. Just somebody over here. Do what? Slurping through a straw? That's bothersome. Yeah, because you don't, it's not necessary, is it, to make noise? Okay, anybody over in this section? Right, Right back here? Smacking gum. You know, you know what? Just a little side note, I don't chew gum. And the reason I don't chew gum, because I freak out because I don't know what to do with it. Because my growing up, they said if you swallow it, it takes seven years to digest. So right now I've got like 487 pieces of gum in my anyway, so you didn't sorry. How about over here? Pet peeve, pet peeve? Um, yeah, my little Your little That's good, man. I, I, don't, I have nothing for you, dude. I've, I've got no advice, but how old is he? He's two? Yeah, two-year-olds, man. <sighs> that was awesome. You can't plan it. All of, us have, all of us, though, have pet peeves. All of us have pet peeves, whether it's traffic, whether it's people smacking gum or slipping through a straw, whatever. But right here, we're looking, Jesus is obviously bothered. Like a deep anger welled up within him. And as I'm reading through this text, I'm like, I'm thinking, my initial thought is, Jesus, why are you mad? You, you could have solved the whole problem. None of this was even necessary. If you'd have just done something when you found out about it, then Lazarus wouldn't have even died. And so <laughs> why are you mad? And then why are you deeply troubled? And it wasn't until this week after having a discussion with a friend that I finally realized the reason Jesus was angry and deeply troubled. The reason Jesus was feeling these emotions is because of his compassion. Jesus really does feel what we feel. So when we go through hurt, Jesus knows what that feels like. When we go through pain, Jesus knows what that feels like. When we go through stress, Jesus knows what that feels like because he was fully God, but he was fully man. The, the, the big point of this right here is no one in this room has ever suffered alone. One of the biggest myths that exist in Christianity is if you'll just accept Christ and read your Bible and pray and do about 400 other things, that life will never go bad. And I'm telling you, sometimes as a Christian, life absolutely sucks. There's no other way you can say it, but at the end of the day, one of the best things about being a Christian is even though we have to suffer sometimes, we never suffer alone. If you've gone through betrayal, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. If you've gone through abandonment, Jesus knows what it's like to be abandoned. If you've gone through hurt, Jesus knows what it's like to go through hurt. So as a follower of Christ, I'm super thankful that I've never been alone in the middle of my pain. Now, one of the top questions, and I've had this question too, is if Jesus is so bothered by pain, then why doesn't he just eliminate all evil and suffering? Well, one, two answers to that question. One day he will. One day all evil and suffering will be gone. But if Jesus were to decide to wipe it out at 12 o'clock today, none of us would be here at 12.01. 
Because now some of you are like, well, I wouldn't call myself evil. <laughs> but I'll ask your spouse and then they'll tell me the truth. <laughs> or your big brother. I'm like, I'll ask somebody and they'll tell me the truth about if you're evil or nobody, nobody here is struggling with, you know what? My biggest struggle with, I was so perfect this week. I don't know how I became so perfect. Oh my God, God, please help me to stop being perfect. All of us have, have struggled with something in our lives. And so the reason Jesus doesn't wipe out all evil and suffering is because his, of his care and his compassion for us. So if you're in this room and you're in the middle of a season of suffering, what breaks your heart also breaks the heart of God. You've never suffered alone. But this verse right here leads to one of the most confusion, confusing, misquoted, and also the shortest verse in the entire Bible. John eleven thirty five. 35, in case you're on, ever on Jeopardy, says, then Jesus wept. I heard a guy one time say that this verse is proof that it's okay to cry at funerals because Jesus cried at his friend's funeral, so it's okay for you to cry at your friend's funeral. I think that might be the, honestly, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Let's <laughs> be honest with you. Because, because, because it's okay to cry at a funeral because you're a human being. I mean, that's why it's okay to cry. It has nothing to do with what, whether or not Jesus cried. But something else is going on here. Because did Jesus know what he was about to do, yes or no? So why would he cry over a death that he knew he was about to put an end to? There has to be some, like, why, like for example, um, I don't know if y'all know this. This might be brand new news, but uh, this past year, Clemson won a national championship. I don't know if y'all know that or not. And, and they beat Alabama, um, <laughs> beat them bad, like really bad. It was great. 44 to 16. So let's say that I, I was at your, your house and I watched the game with you. Like we were watching the game at your house together and we were celebrating, we were high-fiving and got, being really excited and I was drinking water. I was drinking water, remember that, water on the rocks, but I was still drinking water. I don't know what you were drinking, I was drinking water. We were celebrating, we were giving each other high-fives and after the game was over, we went and bought the national championship gear at like midnight or whatever and we knew, we knew what had happened. We knew what had happened. And, and then today I got bored because I've got nothing to do except hang out with Chance. So I was like, I call you and I say, hey, why don't you come over to my house and me and you and Chance will w watch a replay of the national championship game. And you're like, Pastor P, I'm in. So you come over and we're sitting on the couch. In the second quarter of that game, Alabama kicked a field goal. They went up 16 to 13. It'd be the last time they scored. Um, but they went up 16 to 13. And let's say when that happened, like we're watching the game, we know what the end of the game is going to be. But when that happened, I just break down and start weeping in the floor. You, none of you look at me and go, this is a, this is a normal reaction. You're thinking, dude, what, what? Like, I know that's a water bottle, but vodka has no smell. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to sip that, Pastor P, to make sure that you're okay because, because you know the end of the game. You know the outcome. Why would you cry when you know the outcome? Which means something else has to be going. Jesus isn't crying because Lazarus is dead. Jesus is crying because when we hurt, he hurts too. He can empathize with our pain because he's been there. We don't serve a distant deity that's off somewhere going, you know, I hope you fools get it together sometime. We serve a God that goes, I know what you're going through. 
I've been there and you're not alone. He goes on, it gets, it, it gets, the scene gets a little bit crazier because the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? I mean, they're kind of recognizing the fact and they don't really understand Jesus. They're watching him, but they don't understand him, which I'm gonna go ahead and put my cards on the table. There's sometimes, there's a lot of times I don't really understand. See how he loved him? But some said, and these people are always around. This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? I mean, so insensitive that they're going to criticize Jesus at, well, it's not really a funeral. Funeral's four days ago. Now, I wanted to set it up like this. There's a thing today called text language. We have letters that stand for things. Now, I don't want you to call these out. I just want you to raise your hand if you know what these letters mean. Here we go. Here's the first one. I don't know. That's what that means. Some of you are like, I don't know what that means. Exactly. I don't know. IDK means I don't know. Raise your hand if you know what this means. On my way, yeah, this is all the late people last week. This is what, this is your favorite thing. In fact, it's already in your phone, right? I don't, what's the next one? Where's the fun? That's what I mean, where's the fun? It's just, oh, y'all thought, oh my, oh yeah, y'all, mm, dirty minded people. I can get y'all in the care room after, okay, here we go, last one. Last but not least is shaking my head. That, that's what it causes me to do. When I read that story about people taking shots at Jesus, it, it causes me to shake my head. And here's why. Here's why. Because I know this in my own life, and I know this for a lot of us in, as well. When we go through pain, we always blame God. But when we're going through good times, sometimes we forget to thank him. Sometimes we forget because that, I was filling out an insurance form one time, and it, well, you kind of read through it, all the fine print, and it talks about how um, there, there's things that called an act of God. You can, you can be insured against an act of God. And I'm like, well, so what's an act of God? Well, a hurricane, obviously, is an act of God. Or a mudslide is an act of God. Or like a tornado is what they consider to be an act of God. But I'm like, why does God get the blame for all the bad stuff, but not the good stuff? Because we see acts of God all the time, and sometimes we take them for granted. Like, I think a sunset is an act of God. When we catch a good sunset, that's a, that's a reminder that God is just painting the sky and that he's a Clemson fan. When I see, when I see a waterfall... I don't know about you, but when I see a waterfall, it kind of takes my breath away. And I'm like, man, that's an act of God. When I see a newborn baby, it always blows my mind. Their skin is so soft. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is an act of God. Whenever I see the hot now sign on at Krispy Kreme, I don't know about y'all. But I think that's an act of God. And what they're doing at the, at the graveside is they're taking a shot at Jesus and we've done the same thing. I know I've done the same thing. But Jesus handled it. He was all right. The, the Bible says, verse 38, Jesus was still angry. You ever thought about angry Jesus? He needs to go to like some anger management classes or whatever. 
Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. That's a big deal. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Now, for some reason, I couldn't figure it out until like Tuesday or Wednesday of this, this past week. This verse captivated me, but I couldn't quite figure out why. And I finally, it took me some time, but I finally figured it out. I'll, I'll set it up like this. There's certain places that I'm just not going to go. And I'm not going to go there because I don't want to, and I don't have to. People are like, oh, you have to. I'm like, no, I'm 48. I don't have to do anything, all right? You can't make me. Um, like, for example, every year around Halloween, I've always got some friends. They're like, you need to go to a haunted house with me. I ain't going. I ain't going because I grew up in a haunted house, right? My dad was always scaring me all the time, always scared. And the last time, true confession, last time I went to a haunted house, I punched Jason in the face. Um, I did. God dressed up like Jason. He came out. He picked the wrong person to grab. I was like, bam! <laughs> Pastor, you shouldn't hit people. I wasn't hitting. I laid hands on him, all right? And I, just, I can make anything Christian. Just give me a minute. I'm not going to haunted house. Or, or this is my favorite. Somebody was talking to me the other day about a uh, team building exercise, and they got those rooms that they lock you in now. You know what I'm talking about? What do they call those? Escape rooms. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Take somebody that has panic attacks and stick them in a room and say, you probably can't get out. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, I'm not going to an escape room. I'm not going to go to a haunted house. And, 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 and. I used to have these friends in high school be like, hey, you know what? We need to go to a graveyard. Uh-uh. No, fool. I ain't going to a graveyard. Let's go to Burger King. I don't, I don't, that's, because there's dead people there, right? And, and the thing is, in this particular culture, you didn't go to the place where the tombs were because, because it would make you unclean. You would be unclean. So Jesus, don't miss this. He went to an unsafe place and Lazarus was, anybody want to complete the sentence? Lazarus was dead, yes. Dead people were considered unclean. Therefore, religiously, they were considered to be unsafe. So Jesus went to an unclean place to reach out to an unclean person. Jesus went to an unsafe place to reach out to an unsafe person. Everybody knows the, you've got unsafe people in your life, right? Where you, you've also got the people in your life when you see them coming. Have you ever pretended to be on the phone? You have the fake conversation. Oh, how you doing? How's your mom and them? Yes, all the time. Y'all are laughing because you've done it. <laughs> to your spouse. But the, the, the thing here is Jesus, was, Jesus went there to an unsafe place. See, one of the myths that we believe is that Jesus loves really clean, sparkling people. You know what I've discovered about clean, sparkling people? They're only clean and sparkling because they've got a dirty closet. A am I right? It, it, one of the things I love about Jesus is nobody has to pretend. Because Jesus is not scared of unsafe places, and he's not afraid to be around unsafe people. In fact, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 2, um, we're going to talk about this now. We're really going here next week, so you're not going to want to miss next week. But I, <laughs> I was reading this, 
And I just happened to be reading Mark at the same time. And Mark says, then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, also known as Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Now I want to pause real quick and, and say this. Tax collector in Jewish society 2,000 years ago was the bottom of the moral ladder. You couldn't get any lower than a tax collector. These people were scum of the earth. People absolutely detested them. And Jesus walked up to him while he's collecting taxes and goes, I want you to follow me. Jesus didn't say, clean up and follow me. Jesus said, follow me and you'll eventually become the person you need to be. That's the attitude of Jesus. Now, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Watch this. Watch this. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. So he's like, I want you to come to my house and be my dinner guest. Are we going to have a Bible study, Matthew? No, 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 no. It's going to be a little different than the Bible study, all right? along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners, which I'm kind of wondering if there's a reputable sinner, but this is what Mark said, so we're going with it. Now watch this. <laughs> there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. So, so Mark's telling us, and, and um, most historians believe Mark wrote his gospel because Peter kind of told him what to write down. That they're, they're saying that people that were jacked up and disreputable, those were the people that were hanging out with Jesus. I, I heard a guy much smarter than me say, say it like this one time. Jesus liked people that were nothing like him, and people that were nothing like him liked him. <laughs> he goes on to say, but when the teachers of the religious law, they're always in the story, right? When the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? This is in the Bible. The people that, that knew the Bible, that, that worked real hard, that were morally clean, they were like, yeah, Jesus, you're, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call those who think, I, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm super, super glad that I know I'm sick and only sick people need a savior. I, I, some people say, if you're sick, you're unqualified to follow Jesus. I actually think you're not really qualified to Jesus to follow Jesus until you understand how sick you really are. We, until we're sick and we realize we need a savior, we never actually follow him. Let me push down on this a little bit more. If Jesus were alive today and he had the choice to go to a bar or a Bible study, according to the pattern in scripture, he picks the bar every time. Now, I'm not, some of you are like looking around. I'm not giving you permission to go out and get sideways tonight, start cranking the nay-nay and take all your clothes off. Like I'm, you, you can't, that's, that's not what he was doing. But in doing this right here, having dinner at Matthew's house, he was showing the world, you know what? I have a heart for the people that nobody actually has a heart for anymore. 
That's what I love. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But I, I love that about Jesus, that he went to an unsafe place because he wanted to reach out to an unsafe person. But, uh, but the Bible goes on to say, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. Had to remind him, had to remind him. <laughs> the smell will be terrible. Now, I'm going to agree with Martha, right? Body decomposing in the Middle East, in the hot sun, even though it was in a tomb four days, nobody's like, mm, they got that air freshener. What the, what, 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 yeah, no, nobody wants that. And I don't care how much Febreze you put on that, you're not getting that smell gone anywhere. Now, once again, once again, once again, we see Martha who's close to Jesus, pushing back. It kind of goes again. Well, following Jesus is always easy. No, it's not because somebody, sometimes he says, roll the stone aside. And instead of saying, yes, Lord, she puts up a fight. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Now, Martha catches a lot of flack for this, but let's just be honest. Would we have rolled back the stone? Because I don't think I would have. Let, let's, let's say it this way. Let's say that um, you have somebody very close to you and they pass away. And I'm out of town, and so I can't get there. So I, you know, I get back in town, and like four days after they've died, and the funeral's already taken care of, four days after the funeral, I show up at your house, and I'm like, let's drive to the grave, and because I, I want to pay my respects. And you're like, absolutely. So we hop in the car, we drive out of the graveyard, we get to their grave. I look at you, and you look at me, and I, I, I point at the grave. And I said, dig them up. None of you are going to go, okay. No, you're going to be like, WTF. Um, like, Where's the fun? Where's the fun? Y'all stay with me. <laughs> I'm not going to get that one back, am I? I'm, I'm not. But I, can, I don't blame Martha. I don't blame her for pushing back on Jesus because what Jesus is asking her to do doesn't, Makes sense. And sometimes when Jesus speaks into our life, it doesn't make sense. We're like, I, but, but we know, but we know, but we know what he's saying, but we put up a fight. Lord, Lord, and, and what she's saying is right. What Martha's saying makes sense. What Jesus is saying doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, if his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways, then we've got to go with what he says. So, so John tells us Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? The answer is no. If you read John 11, there's no record of Jesus saying this. So there's got to be something else going on. And we kind of talked about it last week where Martha goes to Jesus and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life and your brother will live again. Do you believe this? And Martha said, I believe you're the Messiah. Remember, she avoided the question, but you know what? That was enough. And for me, you know what stood out? Sometimes we may not believe that Jesus can solve our problem, but we still believe in Jesus, and that's enough. Sometimes we can be in the middle of a storm that is, and God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I still believe in you, and that's enough. Jesus is like, didn't I tell you? I, 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 I've told you I was going to take care of this. I told you I was going to take care of this. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, 
thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Now, Jesus does something here that's foundational to, I believe, him really working in our lives. He said, thank you. And it caused, thank you always causes a reaction. For example, uh, it's a popular restaurant around here that's not open on Sundays. Not open on Sundays. Don't, and listen, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Chick-fil-A. But the thing I love about Chick-fil-A is every time you tell somebody that works there, thank you, they always respond by saying, my, yeah, see, y'all knew that. My pleasure. So one time I was out of town. I didn't want to do this in Anderson, but I was out of town. I was like, how many times can I get this guy to say, my pleasure? I don't know if you've ever had your phone, like, recording. You got to be willing to get caught. That's all I can tell you. You got to be willing to get caught. I've deleted the video 18 times. I didn't do it in Anderson. I didn't do it. I was like, thank you, my pleasure. Can I get some barbecue something? Thank you, my pleasure. Can I get a straw? Thank you, my pleasure. I'm not going to slurp through this. Thank you, my pleasure. Like 18 times because it's just natural, right? People just respond. You know what happens when we begin to say thank you? It's not that God works anymore in our life. It's that, that we're aware of him working. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I had a tough, I had a tough weekend. I had a tough weekend, but you know what? This morning I got up and I really did. I had to focus my mind. I was like, God, thank you. Thank you that I slept indoors last night because I know a lot of people didn't get to sleep indoors last night. So thank you. Thank you, God, that I actually got to walk down here because a lot of people are kind of, maybe they're physically challenged that couldn't walk. And so God, I want to thank you that I was able to walk. God, I want to thank you that I got food in my refrigerator because I know people that don't have food in a refrigerator. So thank you. God, I want to thank you for my dog, my chance who didn't crap on the floor last night. God, thank you for that. No, that's a big deal. That's huge. I was Praise God, I had both hands in the air. Like, thank you. One of the things I began to understand is gratitude is the groundwork for a miracle. I'll say it again. Gratitude is the groundwork for a miracle. A lot of times, hey, hey, what if, I just want to throw out, what if a lot of times we hold back the miracles in our life because we never thank them for the last one? And when we build a sense of entitlement with the creator of the universe... So Jesus right here models. I love the fact Jesus says, thank you before the miracle even happened. So what if we walk through life, and I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody right now. What if we walk through life with the attitude of gratitude saying thank you instead of give me? Because thank you, at least with humans, gets us a lot further than give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me. Thank you. Jesus said, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. By the way, he always hears us. He always hears us. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing around here criticizing me and cutting me down. And then he does this. He says, Lazarus, come out. Notice the exclamation point. So he yelled it. He yelled it. Now, if you're there in this moment, you roll your eyes. You do. I, I roll my eyes. But don't miss this. Everybody there had given up on Lazarus except for Jesus. 
because he doesn't give up on people. Now, let's be fair. Let's be fair to the people there. Lazarus was dead. Typically, we give up on dead people. Like nobody at a funeral has ever been like, mm, I think they're, they're going to make it. I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to make it. No, nobody's ever said that, right? But I, I'm talking to the person here in the room, or I'm talking to the person online, that you think God has given up on you. God doesn't give up on his children. God speaks life into his children. Even when you feel like something is dead and it'll never live again, Jesus identifies what is dead and he calls it back to life. And sometimes he has to let something die inside of us so he can speak life into it. So on the other side of it, we can look at somebody else going through the same hell that we went through and said, I know you don't think you're going to make it right now. And I know, you th I know you think you're down and I know you think you're destroyed, but you're going to make it through because Jesus speaks life into his children. God has not given up on you. He is absolutely, he said, I love the fact that he said, Lazarus come out. Because if he'd have just said, come out, I think all the dead people would have just came out. <laughs> then you got like the walking dead right there. <laughs> when Jesus spoke life into Lazarus, people rolled their eyes until, and the dead man came out. Everybody's like, <laughs> WTF, where's the, where's the fun? Where's the fun? Where's the fun? His hands, don't miss this, his hands and feet bound in graves clothes because, because when you died, they had to have this religious ceremony and they wrapped your hands and they wrapped your feet and they kind of wrapped you up in like, it was like a very religious type ceremony. And so he's wrapped up in these grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Can you see this? It's like, <laughs> and Jesus told them, unwrap him. In other words, take what religion put on him off of him and let him go. I, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I sweat like crazy, especially this time of year outside. And I, if you've ever done like yard work in the summer, which some people do that for fun, I don't understand it ever. Have you ever been outside and doing yard work? I remember one time I led a tour in Israel and on that particular tour, one morning we got up and we had to climb it and it was 99 degrees at 9 a.m. And y'all, I sweat. I mean, I, I, got, I got sweat running down my face, running down my arms, running down my, running everywhere. It's just sweat running everywhere. And you know what it's like to get, you're just so sweaty, especially when you're wearing jeans and you feel like they're stuck to you, you know what I'm talking about? And we've all, we've all at least thought the phrase, I can't wait to get out of these clothes. I can't wait to get, I gotta take a shot. I can't wait to get out of these clothes. I'm pretty sure that Lazarus, when he got up, said, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm alive, but I can't wait to get out of these clothes. And, and notice, notice something else. I didn't say this the last service, but I just noticed this. Lazarus couldn't get loose by himself because we only get healed in the context of relationship. We do not get healed on our own. Jesus said, there's a man, he's wrapped in grave clothes, you guys, by the way, who didn't believe he could come alive, y'all unwrap him and let him go. And, and the reason I say that is because the reason so many people, especially here in the southeastern part of the United States, feel dead is because of the clothes that religion put on us. You're not good enough. 
you had this happen. You had this happen five years ago, 10 years ago, three months ago, three weeks ago, that you had this happen and you'll never be good enough. And God has completely given up on you. And the story today is so true. What, what was true for Lazarus is true for every single person in this room, that God has not given up on you. Take it from a guy who three years ago thought everything was dead. And in the past three years, God has shown me that even when all hell breaks loose and the storm gets crazy, there's life on the other side. And if he did it for Lazarus and he did it for me, he'll do it for you. God's not giving up on you, no matter what you're going through. With that in mind, can we stand for closing prayer? Jesus, I want to thank you for everyone here today. I want to thank you for everyone watching online or listening on a podcast. God, I, I just pray that right now in this moment, you'll speak so clearly to our hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you're going through a storm or you're going through this season where you feel like nothing works out. God's not giving up on you. And maybe right where you stand, you just need to say, thank you. Thank you for this reminder, God. Maybe you feel like he has given up on you and you just need to tell him right now. You just need to tell him. You just need just where you're standing. Just that's your personal altar. You just let him know. God, I need you. If you're here today and you're going through an incredibly difficult time and you would like someone to pray with you or pray for you, we have a group of volunteers that would love to be able to do that. They're called our care team and they're standing right outside of these doors. And so there's four exits in the back. And if you're here in this room and you want someone to pray with you or for you, I want you to go right now. I just want you to step out of your aisle and walk out the back door. Because listen, healing takes place in the context of a relationship. There are people moving, so you just feel the freedom go right now. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, this storm is too heavy. It feels too tough. I want you to go right now. There's volunteers out there that will meet you. You just go. Several people are moving, so you just feel that freedom. You just feel that freedom. And there's people here today, maybe like Lazarus, you need to come to life spiritually. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life, and that's what you need to do. If that's you, I want to invite you to make that decision right where you stand right now. Just, in, just standing right where you are, you are in your heart, you can pray, Jesus Christ, come into my life and take over. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. I receive you. In Jesus' name, with head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, would you do me a favor and put your hand up in the air because I just want to pray for you. One, two, three, wow, wow. Okay, that's awesome. I'll keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. If you're online, you put your hand up. Father, thank you so much for those that accepted you. Father, I pray for life and for peace and for hope to be in their lives and not only their lives, but all of our lives as well. Thank you, Jesus that you never give up on people. Thank you for this story about how you didn't give up on Lazarus. And we can know 
that you haven't given up on us. We love you, Jesus. We ask all this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, today was awesome. Don't miss next week. We're going to talk about how religion always seeks to kill a miracle. It's going to be fun. Love you guys. God bless. Happy 4th.